Sawabona, my friend. You may be wondering what in the universe does Sawabona mean and what is its significance to this podcast? Well, for starters, Sawabona is a South African greeting that translates to we see you. We meaning us and our ancestors. We felt the vibration of this beautiful word and greeting so strongly, and we hope you do too. We're Kelly and Nadine. As recovering perfectionists and people pleasers, facing our shadows and healing our trauma has been the single most liberating and loneliest quest we have ever encountered. Until that is, we met each other. That's when we discovered we were two sides of the same coin. Kelly's purpose is to awaken herself and others through her gift of experimenting with life and making leaps into the unknown. Nadine encourages us to indulge our senses in the delights of the material and spiritual realms. In this podcast, we will explore personal growth, parenthood, relationships, human design, midlife transitions, all things woo, and anything else you talk to your soul tribe about. Together, we're excited to share and embrace our own stories of awakening as we invite you, dear listener, to share yours. Our goal is for you to feel seen, heard, and embraced on this magical and sometimes messy ride of life. Our intention is to create a nourishing and inspiring community for those daring enough to awaken to your true, authentic self and have fun doing it together. Sawabona, Nadine. Sawabona, Kelly. Well, I hope all of our mothers had a great Mother's Day celebration last weekend. We're excited to be here after our celebrations. When we record this, we are like a week away from seeing each other. And I'm super excited to go visit you down in Florida next week. I know. I get to have Kelly time. It's so interesting to develop a friendship at a distance and also just to recognize that it can be done. Yeah. There's nothing like advanced technology, right? Nothing beats that. It's really nice to be able to just have these, these connections and especially when they work, we love that when everything functions and works properly. So this week we are here to do a deep dive on transitions specifically Mm. relationship transitions. This was sparked by a little trigger that occurred in our last episode. Do you want to share how we came to wanting to talk about the subject today, Nadine? Sure. So oftentimes I just will reflect on our conversation. After our last episode, I woke up the next day feeling like I didn't fully share authentically, feeling like I held a part of myself back in communicating some of the reasons why I was being triggered by my daughters. And I thought it would be a great conversation for us to have because I am in the middle of my own transition. My husband and I are consciously uncoupling and we are in that process of separating and moving on. For our situation, we are living in the same household and it's not easy saying no to your children especially when the circumstances are what they are. And so I just reflected on that attributing to me being triggered or me just having a lot of stress at certain times and can be reactive. So I wanted to point out that 
that was on my mind and I wanted to share and bring that conversation to light. Yeah. And I so appreciated, you know, post recording our episode last week that you brought this up to me and sharing what was coming up for you from our conversation. And that's what happens, right? It wasn't something that was necessarily in your present experience. And that's what I pointed out to you that it wasn't that you were not being authentic to yourself. It was that something came up from that conversation that you realized you wanted to explore more. You wanted to dive deeper into. And I think it happened perfectly for the exact reason that this discussion warrants its own episode. It warrants its own conversation. It wouldn't have been satisfying for either of us or for our listeners to just touch on it and move on with the topic of our other conversation. So I think it happened perfectly that from that conversation, you had a new awareness that in your relationship with your daughters and your recognition that as you are separating from your husband, I think you said that there just feels like you feel a little bit guilty. Yes. That's something that I think that comes up. That's super normal. And it comes up for parents who are leaving their marriages and are recognizing that the kids, you know, they're in a situation that they have very little control over, if any at all. And so that, that guilt on the parental part is really normal. And therefore it can be an impediment to us setting our own healthy boundaries as mothers and fathers, right? Absolutely. And I think that is what came to the forefront for me. It's like, it's okay. We teach our children how to manage our emotions during difficult times. And so I think it's just an example of we're human beings. And as we have certain situations that we're dealing with, it's okay to be able to either set boundaries or recognize that you're not setting enough boundaries. (laughs) And just to give yourself grace during this time. I mean, it is one of the times in your life, if you have been through it or are going through it, or if you've never been through it, at least you'll have hopefully some empathy and compassion for friends or family that have gone through a separation, a divorce, or even just a a huge breakup, you know, everybody's impacted by relationships ending. It doesn't matter. We've all had that experience. If you've, if you've been on this earth for any length of time, you've had this experience. And so I just want to honor what you're going through and recognize that parenting is hard enough just in the best of circumstances. And then when you're going through a split up of a family and all that goes with that and a home and everything, you know, it's 10 times, a hundred times more difficult to show up a hundred percent in the way that you want. So just giving yourself grace for the times when it is hard to set boundaries, the times when you have to make maybe the easier choice, that's a little more comfortable than the uncomfortable choice. That might be of your highest version of yourself choice. So I love that you brought this up and I would love for you to share with our listeners because you mentioned conscious uncoupling. That is a term that some people might be familiar with and some people might not be. So would you kind of share what you mean by that? Yeah. When we made the decision to separate, we also made the decision to do it with integrity, do it where we were not only respectful of our family dynamic, but that we were respectful of each other. And so this process for us has been really supporting each other during this transition. It has been being very open 
and honest with our children and expressing to them that this doesn't have anything to do with them, that mom and dad have grown apart. And so we have been a united front when we do communicate with the children. We make sure that we do it together because I think it's really important for us to stand as one, even though we are going separate ways. We're really conscious of the impact that it's making on our family, on our children, on each other. And we have decided that we were going to be supportive and help each other through this difficult time. Yeah. And it's been really beautiful to witness your journey through this with your husband and and your family and to see and know that it's possible to end a marriage in a graceful way, in a compassionate way, in a loving way, in a respectful way. Because I know when I was considering going through divorce, um, when it was coming up for me and my marriage, that it wasn't going to last. One of my, my greatest fears was that it would be this really ugly thing. That's what we're taught as society. That's oftentimes what can happen is that we just see the ugly side of divorce. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes we avoid making that decision because that's all we've ever seen. That's the representation that we've seen of divorce. And so I love that we're having this conversation because it doesn't have to look like that. If this is something that is on your mind, if you're in a marriage that you're feeling like at some point it's not going to work anymore, just if you're on the crux, because some of our some of us are on the crux for a very long time. I was for mm-hmm. years. If that's you, you know, this, this episode is for you and this discussion is for you. And if it's not, that's okay too. You can listen so that you can have some empathy and understanding for others who have gone through this or are going through this. Yeah. I think that the most important piece in dealing with a transition is managing our own emotions. We really cannot control the other side. And I think a lot of the times we try to, or we try to control what the outcome is going to be. And I think that when I came to that awareness that the only thing that I had control over was myself, then it became really easy for me to just worry about myself. It actually gives you more power to release the control of what outcomes you want. And just to be able to say, you know what? I can only control my own emotions. That was the biggest step in moving forward and being able to experience such harmony in our dynamic right now, because we have been able to create a very harmonious family dynamic within our household, even though we are moving forward through the transition as well. I just would like to say to people that it's so easy to point blame It's very understandable that you're either angry, depending on what side of this that you're on, but that you actually do have the power to control and be compassionate and be loving. And this doesn't relate to all relationships that are navigating transition. I mean, if you're in an abusive relationship, whether it's emotionally or physically, obviously we understand that those are different terms. But for me, It was not that case. I was able to 
gain a different awareness of myself and my emotions. And that's the only thing I could control. Yeah, absolutely. Because our reality is a direct reflection of our thoughts and feelings. And so if we're taking our pain and turning it into blame, whether that be towards our spouse, ex-spouse, or what I tended to do was to turn it to myself, which is not healthy either. Both are toxic. Blame Mm -hmm. is always toxic. So the pain isn't the problem. The blame is the problem. And pain is inevitable in a situation like this. You know, when you're, when you've been in love with someone, when you shared a life together, when you've had kids and raised kids together, pain is inevitable part of this process. Mm -hmm. And when we resist that pain and when we turn it into blame or we try to create pain in another, we only exacerbate that. We only create more of that. One thing that I think is so cool is that you guys have, like you said, you become united. You're a team through this transition versus being in opposition to each other. You know, you're not on a battlefield. Divorce culture in our country is designed to be a battlefield. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a battle right now, it's likely because that's what society has set up for us in this separation. So that's also something that you don't have to be part of. You don't have to choose that. There are other ways to separate in a graceful, humane way. But our system is really not designed to do that, unfortunately. But I love that you guys are a team. I love that you have intentionally, consciously shared with the kids kind of what's happening and and kept them in the loop along the way. And of course, depending on how old your kids are, that's another aspect, right? How much are they able to understand what's happening? And yet communication is always key with kids. And so I just love that there's no confusion and there's no pointing fingers. Mom did this or dad did that or any of that. I mean, kids, it's not their place. It's not appropriate for them to know all the details, but it is so nice to know that you guys have supported each other and them through this process and to be a witness of the beautiful transition that you're making as hard as it is, because there's no doubt that it's hard. There's no way of not making this hard. So embracing that this is going to be a difficult transition is part of it, but how can we do it in a way that makes it acceptable for everyone that gives everybody a sense of empowerment that gives everybody a sense of some sort of control over their own autonomy in this situation. That was my absolute biggest fear. My biggest fear was how it was going to affect my children, how they were going to handle it emotionally. And then what I realized was that I had to be the one to handle my own emotions and be able to demonstrate for them that during good times, during bad times, it doesn't matter. We get to have our fears. We get to work through our pain and we get to choose how that looks for us. I didn't have a lot of awareness around my own traumas, but I did recognize that there was some part of this breakup that I was accountable for. I think that really for me, it was wanting to understand how I got to where I got to, and then reflecting on some of the choices 
that I had made along the way in my marriage. And so that allowed me to have ownership. It allowed me to take accountability. It allowed me to step back and not just blame, 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 or be in victim mode because I could have very well done that. It allowed me to heal. It allowed me to understand what healing looks like and growing up. That just wasn't a word. Healing or trauma. I didn't know what those words were. Sometimes or most of the time, our childhood wounds are not our fault, but healing from them absolutely is our responsibility. And so that is where I was at that point of my life is understanding that this was an opportunity to heal. A hundred percent. And I think what's interesting as you're saying all of that is you take it back to childhood and you and I met working for a love and relationships coach. Her program was designed for women who were struggling in relationships, successful in life, powerful career women, everything else going for them. Right. But they had these patterns of kind of broken relationships and were looking for help and guidance on how to fix it, how to change this dynamic in relationships that they couldn't seem to wrap their heads around. And that's how we met was taking calls with all these women who were educated and professional and financially successful and very independent, strong, strong women. And time and time again, we heard about their wounds of childhood. And we're not talking about necessarily some, yes, we are talking about big T traumas. We are talking about some major abuse. And there were some horrific stories that I can recall from women. And so those are big contributing factors, but not just that, even just some of the pervasive societal conditioning that we grow up in as young girls, especially the people pleasers, the shape shifters, the The perfectionist, perfectionist. I mean, just some of those things that we learn over time as, as little girls. And so I love that you brought up the childhood stuff because as we learned on these calls, talking to so many women that these wounds from childhood help us to develop coping mechanisms so that we can be in relationships and that we can cope in a way that helps to give us the illusion that we're protected from rejection and abandonment. Mm. Thus, unfortunately, we create really unhealthy attachment patterns with men or women, depending on, you know, what your preference is, but it's just something that we can look back on when we are able to, and willing to look at our relationships and say, where am I showing up here? How is it that this is being created over and over again in my relationships? And what is my role in that? I can say now I've been divorced for eight years and I've had relationships and I've been dating for all that time. So I can say from my own personal experience that these patterns of mine in relationships show up over and over again until I face them, until I face my own role and my own responsibility in how I'm showing up, maybe not authentically myself, maybe not sharing my wants and needs authentically and clearly. These are some of my patterns that I've recognized. And what happens when I revert to my little girl self who's trying to protect herself in relationship is that 
I, I wind up in relationships that are not good for me. Mm-hmm. And I start to recognize those patterns and it's really, really powerful to finally accept, like you're talking about, to accept yourself and your role in the demise of the relationship. It's, it's empowering. It is not what we would think would be self-defeating. It is actually really empowering because Mm -hmm. when we realize that we're part of the problem, then we recognize we have the power to be the solution as well. I love that you brought up our experience with that relationship coach, because the experience was like us getting a PhD in relationships. I mean, it really just increased the level of emotional intelligence that I had and was a really good reflection for me as I was on this journey to healing. I was really passionate about other women who subconsciously had no idea they're repeating these patterns because that was me. And I do want to add that I, I took her program. That was one of the first programs that brought to light trauma and healing. And I really, really, really believe that you need a support system and getting support from professionals or others who've been through it is really, really important. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in needing help. I'm glad you brought up shame because I remember I was reflecting on this this morning as I was preparing for this episode. I was reflecting on the shame I felt when Mm -hmm. my marriage was over. There is something about in our society, in our culture that celebrates not only getting married, but the longevity of a marriage. Mm -hmm. We celebrate anniversaries, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever. We celebrate the longevity of marriage and we celebrate the marriage itself in the form of a wedding, right? And I'm not taking away from any of those experiences, but we also equate these things with success. Mm-hmm. And when I chose to leave my marriage, immediately I had a huge sense of failure. It was like there was something wrong with me. I felt mm-hmm. extremely broke. I felt like a black sheep. Mm-hmm. And I felt a lot of shame from that for a long time. And it was through support, it was through connection with others who'd been through it, through a therapist, reading books getting coached on this transition through that support system that I realized that I wasn't broken, that I wasn't a failure, Mm -hmm. that I was simply making a new choice for my life, that I was simply had outgrown something that no longer fit and that it was okay. And that I had the power to choose what was best for myself. Finally, it took me years to do that, but finally I did, but it was a piece of my identity being the wife, being married to this man was a huge part of my identity. And letting that go was like ripping part of myself away from myself. And so it took time and it took deconditioning from what society says is success and what a woman's place should be. And again, I am not saying that there's anything wrong with choosing to marry someone and spending your life with them. But I am saying that if that marriage doesn't last for as long as you'd hoped, you're going to feel like ripped apart, ripped to pieces. And 
that's not a bad thing either, because anytime we got to burn it down, guess what? There's always new growth from that. So I will say that it, it was a very painful experience and it is for most people because of that, because we put marriage on a pedestal. And Mm -hmm. the other thing I'll say about marriage is that men and women both place a lot of quote, safety and security and certainty in the concept of marriage, in the concept of that contract. And it's a false sense of security. When you sign a piece of paper with someone and you commit your life to them, what I learned in my situation was that in order to keep that vow, I felt like I had to sacrifice a lot of myself Mm -hmm. in order to keep that going. And I can't speak for my husband, but it felt like once that piece of paper was signed, that he was kind of off the hook to keep and maintain the relationship connection, right? Like there's that courtship that happens and it feels really connecting. There's effort involved. And sometimes, and I know I'm not alone in my marriage experience. I know there's other people who felt like this. Once the marriage happens, then it's like, oh, well, it's signed, sealed and delivered. We're done. We don't really have to do much other than just pay the bills and go to work and raise the kids. And it's like the relationship connection piece kind of feels like it's not as a priority anymore because we've already signed the contract. Mm. And so I would just say that sometimes challenging what the status quo is, the thoughts and the experiences that we have on these committed types of relationships can really help loosen and give us permission to ask ourselves what we really want on the flip side of that. Mm. All I can tell you is I agree. And everything that you're saying resonates very deeply for me and having been through this experience and, and understanding that it was really subconsciously, I just think some people don't know better. And so I just know that patterns for me and the patterns for my husband, we just didn't know better. It was our environment and what was modeled within our environment. And so then we go on to create the same environment that was modeled to us, which is the norm. That's what our norm was. That is the norm. It doesn't mean that it was a healthy norm. It doesn't mean that it wasn't toxic. It just means that's all we knew. And so I know now with the awareness and the amount of work that I've put into myself and the amount of healing that I have done, and that never ends by the way, I know what I'm looking for in my next relationship. I know what those non-negotiables look like, not only for the other person, but for myself. I understand what my wounds are. I understand what my needs are. And so for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, like getting into a relationship, my next relationship, that partner has to have some awareness. That partner has to understand their own wounds, has to be engaged in their own healing. There's just a next level standard that you put in place for yourself because you don't want to experience that quote unquote failure, right? Because now we have the awareness and we can see the patterns. And so it's so important to understand that part of your identity. It's absolutely huge to see yourself clearly. I can remember towards the end of my marriage, 
I remember writing in my journal and I, I wrote about feeling like I was in this huge fog. It just felt like I couldn't see anything clearly and I couldn't see anything around me. Mm -hmm. I felt so lost and so alone and so confused as to next steps and what my life could look like on the other side of this. It was so scary. And I remember, I don't know when, how long it took once the marriage was over, once the divorce was finalized and all of that. I don't remember the day exactly, but it took some time. But I remember finally feeling like I saw clearly for the first time. Was There was just a huge sense of relief. Not that everything was easy, not that it was perfect, but it was like I could finally see myself more clearly. I could finally see my ex-husband more clearly. I could finally mm -hmm. see our life moving forward. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to share too with people. I wanted to make a point that when a marriage ends and there are kids involved, the relationship itself does not end with that mm -hmm. person. Therefore being conscious about being respectful of our ex spouse is so paramount in order to continue that relationship in a loving and caring way. Now you don't have to be in love. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying to be humane, to recognize that there is a father of your children, or there is a mother of your children and that they deserve respect for that. And these relationships will be for our lifetime. They don't end. It's not a normal breakup. It is not break up and move on or move out of the country or move out of the city. This is a person that you will be communicating with forever, as long as you're parenting your children. And this is a very healthy way to exit because your children will forever be in the middle of your dynamic. They don't deserve that. They deserve to see healthy parents communicating and not putting them in the middle of it. That's where we're passing on additional trauma to the kids where we don't realize it because we're all so consumed with our own baggage, pain. Yeah. pain. Yeah. And so really to just eliminate for the children, the stress of Oh God, mommy and daddy aren't talking. I have, they have to start to try to do things to manage the relationship between their mother and their father. That's not their job. Not at all. Not at all. So that's where you, like you said, managing your own emotions, getting your own support. It's not your kid's job to support you through any of this. It's your job to get support for yourself, adult support, because sometimes that can happen where the kids become the sounding boards or the emotional support systems for the parents. And that is absolutely not a healthy way to get the kids through the transition. I love that you brought that up because yeah, our kids don't need to be the collateral damage in the decision that we made to separate, or maybe we didn't make that decision. We wanted to shed light on what if it's not you that chose to leave the marriage? What if you're being left. What if it's your spouse's decision and you're not on board, right? That's a whole nother experience, a whole nother level of acceptance in so many ways. Because there's a, there's a feeling of rejection within that. Right. And who wants to feel rejected? Nobody mm -hmm. wants that. And I only laugh because it's probably one of our greatest fears and one of our greatest childhood wins mm -hmm. that we can, can heal is that 
ultimate fear of rejection. And I think that there is an expectation when a partner has chosen to move on that they need to get closure. They need to understand why that partner is moving on. Yeah. I mean, we want an explanation, right? And sometimes we don't get that explanation. Sometimes it's not obvious why the marriage is ending. You know, I remember it took me a while to come to the conclusion. I couldn't endure it any longer. And it wasn't because there was an affair. It wasn't because there was addiction. It wasn't because of money issues. It wasn't something that was so simple, cut and dry, societally acceptable that said, okay, of course you leave the marriage because X, Y, or Z happened. No, it was none of those things. It was going too long in a relationship with too little connection for me. Mm. That's what it was ultimately came down to. And Mm. how do you explain that? It's really hard to explain the loneliness and the pain of enduring a relationship that has zero connection over time. And we're just sometimes, especially as women, I think we, and it could be for men too. I'm not a man, so I can't say, but it could be that we're just meant to endure that. And that's why I mean, the celebration of longevity in a marriage is it kind of pisses me off sometimes because I've seen plenty of marriages that have lasted many, 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 many years and they're not healthy, but yet we celebrate their longevity. I'm just saying that sometimes we can experience something that was a shock to the marriage. And it's really obvious that there's a rift in the marriage, like an affair or an addiction or something major, some major catastrophe happening. Sometimes, you know, when people lose a child that can really cause people to lose sight of each other, or maybe they're empty nesters, their kids leave the house and they no longer know who each other are. There are certain things in our society that kind of are understandable why a marriage would end. But there's a lot of things too that are under the surface that nobody sees. And those things are equally damaging. And I guess my question to you is, I love the way that you explained that it was basically too little of a connection for too long. And what else can you say about how people focus sometimes on the symptoms of a marriage? And not necessarily the root cause. Can we talk about that? Yeah. I just remember being in therapy and (laughs) it was just like, well, you're just not communicating well. Well, yeah. Communication is a huge piece and a very important piece of a marriage. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's not, but I knew in my heart that wasn't it. That wasn't the disconnect. It was a symptom. Our communication was a symptom to the underlying problems in our marriage, Mm -hmm. the root causes of intimacy, you know, and I'm not just talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about all of it, the emotional, the mental, the physical intimacy that was lacking. And nobody was looking at that. We went to a bunch of therapists and none of them looked at that. I'm like, come on. And so after it's been over the last few years that I really understood how that played out over time. But we, when we don't address the root issues, then we have really no hope of repair. It's like treating a broken leg with a Band-Aid. You've got to treat the break and not just cover the tear in the leg with a Band-Aid. Yeah. And wouldn't you say the root issues are prevalent for each partner? 
yeah, just want to talk about like the subconscious part of our wounds and how we're each coming into this marriage and showing up a certain way because of the wounds and that conditioning and how there's got to be accountability for each partner to address their own wounds or what contributed to the root cause of the marriage. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that each partner does their own work on their own inner child, especially in intimate relationships. And this goes with parenting too. In our closest relationships, oftentimes when we feel threatened or we feel rejected or we feel triggered, it's our inner child that comes out. And so therefore you've got two adults who are relating to each other from their, their kid selves, their mm-hmm. reactive kid selves, their self-protective coping mechanisms that were developed as children. So when we're not aware of those things, which I certainly wasn't in my marriage, I didn't know about any of this stuff back then. I didn't know what I didn't know. Neither did you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And neither did our spouses. And so we just kept operating from that space and continuing to have that resistance with each other and continuing to kind of butt heads or avoid. In my case, I was more avoidant. And actually, so was my ex-husband. Like that's just, that's how we learned how to deal with conflict as kids, just to avoid it, expect it to go away. We didn't learn healthy conflict as kids. So we didn't know how to address our issues in a way that was going to bring us forward and to bring things to light because it was too scary for us. That was definitely a root issue. We're in such a good time now because there's so much talk about doing the work, looking at your own inner child, healing your traumas. There's so much out there about this. That's that can be so helpful and you don't have to heal this part of yourself in the context of your partner. If your partner is not on board with any of this stuff, it might make it a little bit harder. Yes, but you can still work on yourself. And oftentimes when we shift ourselves and we heal ourselves, the ripple effect of that can affect our relationships in a positive way. Well, I think that this was maybe a controversial conversation for some, but I think that there's a lot of wisdom and honesty and experience between you and I, and I'm grateful that we can just share that with our audience. If there is anyone going through relationship transitions, we are here to support you. Our journey back to ourselves, back to our true authentic selves, our personal growth that stemmed from the breakdown in our relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, in our marriages. And so in that way, it's been those breakdowns, those breakups were a huge gift to Mm -hmm. both of us. And I, I can say that now eight years out. And I know you can say that and you're still in the midst. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean that there's no pain anymore. It doesn't mean that there's nothing left to do, right? But we can look at it as being a catalyst for our growth, a catalyst for our own integrity and authenticity mm-hmm. and healing. And so I'm super grateful every day for what I've chosen and that I've taken this journey in life even if it was messy, even if it was uncertain, even if it was super scary, I'm super grateful to have had that experience. And I'm grateful for every day that I have a relationship with my ex-husband 
that is kind and respectful and appreciative and that that's reciprocated. Mm, I love that. I too, I am filled with so much gratitude. I do believe that there is a saying rejection is redirection and it is absolutely true. And there's another saying that, you know, it's all about shifting the mindset. You can say this happened to me, or you can say this happened for me. And I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and everything happens for our highest good and everything happens so that we can evolve into our highest self. And so I embrace the challenges. I embrace the roadblocks and it gives me an opportunity to look within. And it's a really beautiful thing. There is light at the end of these type of experiences. And I'm telling you that from a woman who is in a lot of pain, there is light. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is light. And I love that that is kind of transitioning into our Oracle card to close out the show. Today, we drew a card from the Ellie Shojas, who's a, a gal that I met a couple of years ago. She's an author and she's just a beautiful soul. And she has a deck called Your Heart Knows the Way. And I thought this was a perfect one for this conversation. And the card that we drew has a picture of a beautiful ballerina with her arms up and her head up looking towards the sky. And it says, allow yourself to shine. And basically this card is just to give yourself permission to live in the light, to recognize where your shadows are, recognize where the darkness is and to seek the light and to know that it's within you. Oftentimes I think we seek it outside of us. I think we look towards others for safety, security, happiness, and it's always within us all the time. So no matter what your choice is to stay, to move on in any relationship, your happiness, your joy, your fulfillment, your light is always within you. And it's up to you to allow that light to shine. Mm, What a perfect, perfect, perfect card. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for holding space for us to share our stories. And we hope that in in doing so, that part of our stories is something that might connect with you and hopefully give you the courage if you needed it, the compassion if you needed that, grace, forgiveness, any of those that you might have needed as gifts today. We hope that we were able to give those to you. Yes. Until next week. Sawabona. Sawabona. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To join our conversation, share your journey, or ask a question for future episodes, please send us a voice message by clicking the button in the show notes or send an email to hello at weseeyoupodcast.com. And remember to follow us to get notifications of our newest episodes when they release. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening from. Until next week, Sawabona. So